independent media is more important than ever. We don't have a corporate network behind us, and we also don't have big green foundation grants. So we really do need you, and we are actively calling in your direct support so that we can continue exploring many of these topics and perspectives, often sidelined by mainstream media. If you're enjoying our show, please make sure you're subscribed and join us on Patreon today, starting at a tip of just $3 at patreon.com slash green dreamer. Every little bit helps and really adds up. And that is the power in community. So thank you so much for however you're able to support our work. It used to be the norm that we knew our shoemaker, our dressmaker, but with the mass consumption and the, the shift of the global production to poor developing countries, it became a norm that we never know who made our product, you know, and that's why it's, it's a norm now uh, to pay $2 for a t-shirt, not knowing the person who made this $2 t-shirt is basically barely surviving on a few cents per day. How does supporting artisans around the world simultaneously help to support sustainability? As the holiday season and Black Friday are coming up, what are some things we should keep in mind to help us be able to shop more ethically and sustainably? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that I write myself, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaway. So I look forward to connecting with you there. And for now, to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the co-founder of Globin, which is the leading social enterprise subscription box company and the only one to achieve official fair trade designation for its work supporting artisans from around the world and also in developing countries where artisan goods are actually the second largest source of employment after agriculture. Due to the popularity and great success of the company, they've been able to invest millions of dollars in artisan communities over the past few years alone. So they're really helping to make a meaningful difference in helping to alleviate poverty through empowerment. I actually had the honor to personally work with Globin a few weeks ago, so you may have seen me talk about what they do on Instagram already. And if not, no worries, just look forward to hearing about their inspiring work through this conversation. Green Dreamer, starting with what got her into the world of sustainability and social impact, here's Lisa Moiseva. I have never actually worked um, for any like corporate for-profit company. So my whole background has always been uh, non-profit, social good companies. Uh, since early, since I think my high school, um, I was very inspired by actually Angelina Jolie. Uh, originally, um, back when uh, when I was in school, um, I went to school in Moscow, Russia. And uh, in Russia, even still now, non-profit sector is pretty small and not very well known by general population. 
organization. Mm-hmm. So I never really knew about the existence of nonprofit sector, of companies that are doing social good. And that was, of course, you know, more than 10 years ago. Um, but of course, there are still celebrity newspapers out there. And uh, Angelina started her nonprofit jo- uh, journey, you know, she adopted her first son from Cambodia and she became, I think, UN ambassador for refugees issues. So that's kind of I first discovered um, the issues of global poverty, water crisis and sanitation, things like that. Um, I also did a research uh, for one of my classes about, you know, economical development situation in Africa. And I was really touched. Like I it opened my eyes in, in terms of how people live in other countries and what kind of problems they have and they face every day. Um, and yes, yeah, since then, I just I decided that I want to only work for something meaningful, only work for something that uh, for a company that creates some kind of a social good service or product. That's beautiful. And then what was it that solidified your desire to support artisans around the world? I have always been looking for sustainable solutions for global problems like poverty. And um, when I met my co-founders, it was just kind of a realization uh, that fair trade, that creating jobs is the most sustainable solution to solving poverty, right? These artisans who, yes, sometimes they live very close to poverty. You know, some people live on less than $2 per day. But None of these people really need the handouts. None of these people even want the handouts, right? They don't want to depend on someone for their living. And the artisans especially, you know, they're talented entrepreneurs in their own right. So all they need is just access to the global market and to be paid fairly for their products. So that's kind of how um, the idea of Globin, the artisan box came into place. So today you work with artisans from all over the world. How do you go about establishing your relationships with the local artisans and makers? Um, yeah, great question. Um, we do get this question a lot of times. And uh, yeah, today the world is pretty well well connected. So um, you, ha- you can find so many resources online, but uh, you still have to travel and to meet these artisans in person. So whenever we can, we do get to travel. Um, you know, we grew our operations in Oaxaca, Mexico, which is kind of the core of Globin. We grew our operations there from two women to now over 100 women weavers. I just came back from Africa, where from Morocco, Ghana, Kenya, and Tunisia, where we have a uh, few of our best, biggest groups uh, of artisans. So besides the travel, of course, we're also official members of the Fair Trade Federation. So a lot of our partners and artisan groups are our fellow members as well. And people just uh, starting now as we are getting more known in this industry, People are just reaching out to us, um, you know, offering their products, asking how they can work with us. So you mentioned that you also travel to these places. Can you share one of your most maybe touching memories throughout your travels connecting with these artisans? Yeah, my, my last Africa trip, whenever I went, um, you know, in Morocco, Kenya, or Tunisia, one thing that the artisans kept saying, uh, telling is like, more orders. We want more orders. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I'm actually doing marketing and sales at Globin. And, you know, obviously there is always a pressure of growing the company. And um, yeah, just like that realization of responsibility that we have, you know what I mean? The Globin is yeah responsible for the well-being of these artisans in many cases. And yeah, like when we went to Oaxaca, Mexico, 
last year I went there for the first time and when we met all these hundred women, uh, you know, they gathered in front of us. It just gives us different perspective. You know, we share every single artisan box, you know, we, we have this brochure with personal stories and photos of the artisans, which is a huge part of global experience in general. But truly meeting them in person that just changes everything and uh this year actually we for the first time ever we took three of our customers with us to Oaxaca, Mexico. So they got to meet in person uh, the artisans who've made many, many of the products that they have in their homes. And it has been life-changing for them. That sounds really powerful because I feel like a lot of our unethical consumerism today stems from people not being connected to the stories behind their products. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why here, uh, why Globin is here for us to redefine capitalism, right? It used to be the norm that we knew our shoemaker, our dressmaker back in, you know, uh, 19th or early 20th century. But with the mass consup- consumption and the, this spread of capitalism after like 1950s and, you know, the shift of the global production to China and other poor developing countries, Suddenly, it became a norm that we never know who made our product, you know, and that's why it's it's a norm now uh, to pay $2 for a t-shirt, not knowing or maybe deci- deciding not to know or care that, you know, the person who made this $2 t-shirt is b- basically barely surviving on a few cents per day for their work. So from the end consumer standpoint, they might feel like, oh, it's the business that should be responsible for this, but then the business might be buying their products not directly from the makers, but from multiple middlemen. So how do we work with that? So how would how would the end consumer know whether or not their businesses are responsible or everybody in the supply chain are responsible for the step ahead of them? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, of course, the designations like fair trade certified, um, verified fair trade federation member, or like now we have B Corp companies. So it's a third party verification is very, very important, I think. And that's something I think consumers should be able to trust and already do, luckily. But other than that, you know, I'm just looking for labels, for the product labels, you know, see if the company is sharing uh, where the product is made or, you know, like my truly most favorite brands, like what, what and similar to what we're doing at Globin, they would have literally faces and names of the artisans, of the farmers, of the producers on the label, on the tag of the product, you know, uh, or for example, Patagonia, right? They have, uh, they have all the information very transparently laid out on their website, you know, here are all, all the different factories that we work with. This factory or this product or this cotton is fair trade certified, others is not. But the transparency part is extremely important. Um, I don't think any of the brands, we're, none of us are perfect. Uh, but I think if the brand is willing to share this information with their audience, that shows that the brand actually cares. And I feel like just in our society today, a lot of the value we see in products comes from very superficial things like exactly. the branding or the brand name or which model wore it rather than actually like the real value of who made the product, how much it costs to make the product and so forth. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what uh, uh, it's one of the challenges for us as well. We have a bunch of competitors in the subscription box industry, right? And basically what subscription boxes usually do, they just put, you know, 
cool products from other brands into their boxes, especially the, the more famous the brand, the better. It will have a higher price tag and things like that. But with us, we don't work with brands. We work with artisans, real people. They don't have marketing minds behind their companies or their products. So it's it's, differ, it's difficult to con, uh, convince our customers, the consumer, who's like, here is this hand-carved ball. It's not made by Chanel or whatever, <laughs> right? But it's actually worth $30, you know, because of how many hours the artisans spend there and making sure that, you know, we're pay- paying the artisan fairly for their time on their product. So what have you found to be the most effective way to get this message across for people to look deeper and to look beyond the name and uh, the superficial things? Yeah, I mean, um, as I mentioned, one of the main part of the global experience. So our main product is the monthly subscription, which is called the Artisan Box. And um, our, every Artisan Box is themed, so it can be cozy or hydrate or kitchen. Uh, and it comes usually with four to five different products. It can be like a hand-painted mug from Morocco, a scarf from Tunisia, things like that. And huge part of the experience is what we call Artisan Brochure. That, as I mentioned, has a photo and personal story of the artist and also just a few pointers of how the purchase of this specific product is changing the life of the artisan for the better so just telling the stories and of course you know fair trade uh, or even ethical consumption industries they're nowhere close to being mainstream so there's a lot a lot of education we still need to do on the consumer end and that's kind of what we are doing um you know let's shout about it uh, on podcasts social media everywhere because we're still pretty small players so we can make mainstream ethical consumption, fair trade and, ma- and ethical consumption mainstream only if we work together because we're just too small to compete with big box companies just yet unless we help each other. Do you feel like most consumers are curious about this process and very receptive to learning about the stories of who made our products? Because I feel like the most consumers today still aren't very mindful or aren't very aware of that, the history of our products. So do you think this is something that people uh, are really open to once they start learning about it? I think so. I think there is a definitely a shift in the consumer behavior now. Slowly but surely, it's not nothing huge, but um, yeah, the, the main kind of indicator of why, um, of course, I, I probably live in a, this ethical consumption bubble because <laughs> that's what we do. But I do see a lot of um, promise in the fact that there's more and more ethical brands that are coming up, and not just small brands, um, but bigger brands, right? So old birds, for example, the shoe company based in San Francisco, uh, you know, of course, they're not mainstream yet, but they're very popular and they, I don't know, $20 million in revenue or more. So like they're becoming more mainstream uh, all Everlane, you know, they also spread the message of transparency and they're very popular and they compete with other ethical brands or reformation or thrive market on the more organic um, food side. So I see a lot of promise there. And the reason why these brands are, you know, more more brands are are coming up and these brands are becoming so successful is because the consumer is voting with their dollars and sending a message to big corporations showing that's what the consumer is caring about and that's why h&m right is uh, launching their conscious collection i don't know how conscious it is but uh it's, it's a it's a good sign 
Yeah. And same with Globin as well. Today, Globin is the leading social enterprise subscription box company. And because of your success, you've been able to invest over $2 million in fair wages to uh, artisan communities in the past two years alone. And that's huge. So what do you think has been key to Globin really being able to reach such a large audience to be able to support your artisans? Yeah, we actually, um, over the past three years alone, we invested more than $3 million now. And um, just in the last year, we were able to provide more than a million hours of work to the artisans. And uh, the key to success, I think, um, it's, it's, I think it's okay to be okay with slow growth, you know, slow growth, relentless testing of things and listening to your consumer, right? Uh, Globin is not about the box. It's not even about the product. It's about the community, community of artisans on one side, but also community of our customers and members. Because as I mentioned, there's so many ethical fair trade brands. And of course, there's plenty of other subscription boxes the uh, customers can buy. Uh, by the sense of community and trust that we have with our members, uh, that's, that's why people would choose to stay uh, and buy from Globin. Mm. The other thing is, I feel like sometimes in uh, conscious consumerism, people separate ethical shopping with sustainable shopping. How do you think supporting artisans around the world can also support uh, environmental issues or sustainability? Um, great question. Artisans, uh, it's actually very interesting. Just one example that I have is um, kind of environmental impact that we have uh, with one of our products. It's a very quirky product and I actually went to visit artisans in Ghana. And what they make in Ghana, the company is called Trashy Bags. And they literally make uh, functional, fun products out of, out of recycled plastic water bags. It's called water sachets. In Ghana, they use these uh, water bags instead of regular bottles because it's much cheaper to make so the company picks them up literally from the streets of Accra uh, which is very polluted because people drink the, their waters and throw it on the streets they take these uh, water bags and upcycle them and we have a product called upcycle tote and every single one of these totes recycles 70 of these plastic water bags and with one order a couple of years ago we helped recycle more than 365,000 of these plastic water bags which was amazing and we didn't even realize <laughs> what a huge environment impact we are doing but with artisan products um almost all of them the that sustainability aspect is ingrained in them because artisans almost they're forced to work with what they have in their communities right so like if it's a palm leaf baskets that um our artisans are making oaxaca it's made from literally palm leaves around their communities or sisal grass in uh, bogota gagana or if it's a wood product you know it's sustainably collected wood as well and one of the reasons why I think, well for us it's kind of so obvious that all, all the materials are sustainable source because it's also one of the fair trade principles uh, it's not just about fair wage but also making sure that the products are produced with respect to the environment as well right so because these artisans are using whatever's available in their communities they also want to take care of their own lands because they live there yeah um i have another great story in oaxaca mexico we saw how artisans are making Zapotec rugs. They're gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous rugs, and there's toads that they make from them, and um, they are made from wool. And uh, they literally have a compound that's where the artisans live, eat, uh, work, and uh, all of the colors, all of the colors for the rugs and toads, they are produced naturally using the plants that they grow in their garden. 
So again, since they work and weave and color their materials in in their home, uh, they can't use chemical stuff, you know what I mean? Because it will literally hurt their home and pollute their gardens. That's so beautiful. I want to shift gears a little bit. So we have Black Friday and the holiday season coming up. And I know you recently wrote a blog post about this. So as you were doing your research, what shocked you most about Black Friday or holiday shopping? Yeah, I, f- I pulled up the number that in 2016, Amer- American consumers spent $655 billion over just the period of two months, November and December, which That's is like, crazy. I don't even know how this number <laughs> looks like. Like, what does that mean? Uh, and But yeah, it just made me think, um, what if we can divert even 1% of this staggering amount towards, you know, fair trade and ethically produced goods? That's already almost $7 billion, which which is huge, of course. It just goes to show that the power of uh, consumers uh, is so, so huge. Um, one of my favorite quotes is actually, it's um, every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. It's by Anna Lape. And um, it's just like when you, you you process these numbers and like just made me realize that it's really true that we are voting with our money and there's nothing more, for better or for worse, there's nothing more powerful than money, you know? Yeah. And of course, we we work in retail, so we know the power of Black Friday and holiday <laughs> sales, which is huge. And yeah, on our end, you know, here we have, we are selling tons of products to the consumers, which is amazing. But on the other end, we're placing this huge, super impactful orders with artisans, which is a whole other kind of side of things. For example, with one order that we placed a couple of years ago for a spice bowl, wooden hand-carved spice bowl from India, we were able to provide 20 thousand hours of work just with one order of these balls but imagine if you translate 655 billion into hours of work we can provide to artisans that pretty much we will solve poverty right there you know <laughs> i mean that is a massive number i can't even wrap my head around it i believe this season i looked at the numbers and it's projected to be at least 700 billion yeah. so of course mm-hmm. only going up do we know anything about how much of this comes from brands focused on fair trade and social and environmental good right now? It's probably a small percentage. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, a couple of... I don't know, million? Yeah, I haven't found these numbers. And and I think one of the reasons why it's kind of a little bit difficult to find the numbers for it is because you know there's fair trade brands then there's ethical brands sustainable brands so it's like even patagonia for example only part of their collection is fair trade Mm -hmm. so that's a little bit um that makes it a little bit more challenging to estimate the numbers definitely but i don't think it's even anywhere i don't know maybe a hundred no probably more than a hundred million but definitely not more than a billion yeah still a minority (laughs) absolutely And I know a lot of big brands over Black Friday will have massive discounts on their products, which is what makes it so attractive to shoppers. Do we know how they're able to discount this much for Black Friday? Is it just because they're trying to get rid of inventory or what has to happen for them to be able to do this? I think is the the fact is like how little they pay for the actual product and they they mark up their products by so much that uh, they can afford this huge deal. So like if they're buying a two dollar t shirt that's selling for you normally, right? They're probably paying a few cents for it. Um, that's why they can afford to take such huge drastic discounts because um, the retail price is so blown up. So they definitely still are making a lot of money from Black Friday. It's not like they're just trying to get rid of stuff. They're still no. profiting. It's just Absolutely. that normally they mark up even more. 
Exactly. Oh, that's crazy. So when it comes to this holiday season for shopping, what would your best pieces of guidance or tips be for us so that we can shop mindfully in ways that have positive impacts on people and our planet? One thing I love to always encourage people to talk to their friends and family about ethical shopping and fair trade. First, of course, you should shop fair trade yourself, right? Uh, and if you're buying fair trade gifts, you're already sharing about fair trade uh, with your friends and family just through the gifts. Also, yeah, just talking to them, encouraging them uh, to do the same. Uh, I think it's, word of mouth is extremely powerful. And um, it's very easy now to actually find inspiration. You know, a lot of times like, like fair trade ethical brands how do i find all this information and there's so much information online these days all the influencers there's so many you know on instagram uh bloggers who are only fo focusing on ethical shopping and fair trade so information is very easy to find online there's now more and more you know if it will be a gift guide it will be here's your holiday sustainable gift and gift guide there is also, yeah, I want to give a shout out to a company called Done Good. Uh, it's um, it's a basically a tech, uh, tech solution. You can add it onto your browser, like a Google Chrome extension. They will give you suggestions for ethical fair trade brands. Um, for example, if you're looking for candles, like on Amazon, uh, they will uh, Chrome extension will show you here's a different company you can check out that's uh, producing fair trade or ethically made candles. Same thing with clothes. So they're pretty good. Their database is very pretty extensive and of course don't uh, try to reduce waste especially with packaging uh, and there's now of course more and more eco-friendly solutions there we we actually in india our artisans make tree-free paper uh, which is basically it's made from recycled cotton so yeah there's so many fun solutions um, that will prevent you <laughs> making more waste around holidays and then stepping beyond the holiday season, what do you think we need most in our world today to work towards a more just and harmonious and thriving planet? I think more people we need to... Uh, I would love to encourage young younger generation to really stick to their guts and to stick to their values and, you know, kind of pursue careers uh, in social businesses and businesses that are challenging the status quo. Of course, when you pursue careers in these areas, uh, there are some sacrifices that have to be made. But I think, yeah, like sticking to your guts, uh, to your values, truly, and actually doing about some doing something about it, I think that that's something that I really look up to and that's something that inspires me personally. Do you have any tips for people who are just getting into this space? Yeah, I mean, there's so much re uh, online. One of my favorite uh, career tools when I was just starting out is called idealist.org. So there you can find only careers in ethical brand businesses or non-profits. And I think don't be scared of cold emailing. Um, some of my best employees I found through email. They just cold emailed me, uh, even without a job description. Um, <laughs> and I think if you put... Yeah, like write a thoughtful email, which is very rare these days. Uh, I think you can get a lot out of it and maybe somebody will take a chance on you. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise. Uh, so what's next for Globin that we can look forward to and support? 
holidays is definitely a super exciting time for us. You know, we have our monthly artisan box subscriptions and they make great, great gifts. It's something, the gift that keeps on giving. So you can gift a three-month or six-month subscription. Uh, you can have a prepaid subscription. So, um, you know, you don't have to be uh, worried about recurring payments. Our next November box theme is Appreciate, which ha comes with a very pretty, beautiful hand-painted mug from Tunisia. Just a small spoiler. And of course, we have our shop as well at shop.globin.com. Uh, we introduce brand new collections there. We just introduced a collection from Morocco, of Moroccan ceramics, which are very popular for us. And we're just getting uh, Bolga baskets. It's African market baskets. Um, we just literally got it a few days ago. It's very exciting for me because I actually met the artisans this past August and we are finally able to share the products with our members who've been really looking forward to it. So yeah, at shop.globin.com we have tons of new uh, products coming up spe specifically for holidays and of course you can always buy um, individual artisan boxes there like a cozy box or saver box which make perfect gifts kind of for anyone on your list uh, based on the theme of the box. For sure. And where can we follow you on social media? Uh, we are Globin World on Instagram and just Globin on Facebook. I can't believe we're already heading into the last part of 2018. I don't know if it's just me. I feel like this year went by so quickly. I haven't even had a chance to review all the things I said I wanted to do this year. And frankly, I don't even remember where I wrote that down to begin with. So honestly, part of the reason I created our 2019 Green Dreamer Planners is because I can be quite disorganized and easily feel scattered or off track. Uh, but there's so much I want to do. You know, so much to be done in this time of need. And at the same time, I also feel like I need constant reminders to prioritize self-care so that I can be the best person I can be for everyone that I love and also be able to do all the things that I want to do. If you've been listening to our past few episodes, I know you've already heard about these planners that are coming to you soon. Obviously, I'm just really excited about them and really hope that they'll be able to support us in maximizing our 2019. Uh, but for now, to stay posted on its launch, feel welcome to sign up for our weekly newsletter at greendreamer.com, where I'll announce first when it goes live. For now, to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? I love Majestic Disorder for their inspirational travel photos, and I love the Jungle for their super inspirational, colorful, beautiful uh home decor inspiration and they also incorporate a lot of plants there which i'm obsessed with plants so <laughs> it's one of my favorite accounts uh what do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired one of my favorite quotes is by Anne lap uh, and it says that every dollar you spend is a vote for the kind of world you want to live in so that's kind of my inspiration for the work we do at globin what's one thing you do for your health either daily or weekly I love to walk. I don't drive as much, so I do that very often. But I also am a huge yoga fan and looking forward to get back to it. What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I try not to purchase anything that is not ethically made, especially when it comes to my clothing. So it's either something I picked up through my travels or uh, it's made by ethical brands. We'll give some shout out to Patagonia and Amour Vert and Adelante Shoes and of course thrift shopping as well. What makes you most hopeful for our world right now? 
I, I think that's actually thanks to individual people and smaller brands who really stand up for their values. And now even big corporations are realizing that they have to do the same. You know, it's not, not just about making money. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? I think individual choices matter hugely. Um, the amount of uh, money that consumers spend on a yearly basis is probably a trillion or a couple of trillions. I don't really know. <laughs> so if we as consumers can divert even 1% and 10% of these sums to fair trade and ethically made goods, this will create a huge, huge impact on the artisans, on the makers, on our environment as well. And uh, just... I truly believe that talking to people and sharing about these choices with your friends and families makes a huge, huge impact as well. Your friends and family already trust you and value your opinion, so talking about these things with them can be really powerful coming from you. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. Lisa, during this episode, mentioned Done Good as a great resource to help us be able to uh, be more informed shoppers more easily. And actually, this is perfect timing because Done Good is hosting Shop for Good Sunday next week, kind of to counter Black Friday. It's a growing movement with more and more people and purpose-driven companies and also nonprofits on board with the idea of you know helping to channel more of our holiday shopping dollars towards sustainable and ethical brands and we'd love to have you join in on this movement as well to learn more about this you can just head to shopforgoodsunday.com and i'll have this linked in the show notes as well so you can learn more from there as always you can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com 86 for episode 86 reach me with feedback on how i can improve the show for you through the website's contact page and you can find me on instagram at kamea shane Finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.